What's up, Baywatch? What up, Big Mike? Uh, you know, uh, excited to do another episode of the Bridge to Bridge podcast. Uh, we got Ronnie 2K coming on the show, the video game basketball king. Dude, the Steve Jobs of NBA 2K video games. This guy is a mastermind. Everything you ever wanted to know about hoop games, you know, are there cheat codes? What are the stuff that's hidden, unlock custom characters? Uh, the, 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 do players really text when they get a bad rating? It's all here. So very excited. A fire episode you definitely don't want to miss. Uh, make sure to listen in and tune in. Thanks. For sure. We appreciate you coming on uh, another episode of the Bridger Bridge podcast. As I just mentioned, my name's Mike. This is my co-host, Dom. You know, before we, we kind of dive into to what you're doing at 2K and your professional career, you know, we'd love to learn a little bit about you and your upbringing. I know you got some Bay Area roots, which is, you know, really why we wanted to have you yep. on the show. Redwood High, right? Did I, did I read that right? That's right. Sweet. That means you got a good three-point shot for sure. You have to at Redwood. Yeah. Uh, the team was pretty good when I was there, too. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've uh, lived in the Bay since I was six years old. I went to Basage, Kent, actually Branson for a year, and then uh, Redwood for three. So the jumper is even better if you went to Branton. I know those Branton boys, dude. Yeah. A lot, a lot of battles at the Olympic Club and the Presidio YMCA. Exactly. So, well, yeah. Anyway, so so back to growing up in the Bay. You know, did you have brothers and sisters? You know, are you close with the family? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I moved here when I was six. My brothers were really young at the time. I'm the oldest of three. My youngest brother had actually just been born when we moved uh, to the Bay. Before that, I lived in Florida and London for a little bit. I've bounced around. But yeah, I've lived in I lived in Kentfield when I first moved to the Bay and lived there pretty much up through high school. Um, when I was in college, my parents moved to Tiburon. When I came back to take the job at 2K, I moved in with them at first, Tiburon coming out of college, and then I got my own place in a couple miles from them. So I see them every day. We're actually doing a I'm doing a house project, a house renovation at my house, which they're helping me with. So it would not surprise me if during this broadcast, they knock on my door and give me some updates. But uh, yeah, really close with the family. We all followed the same kind of foot, footsteps in terms of Basage Camp and then and then Redwood. It was the first Indian person to go through the system. So uh, that was interesting, kind of trailblazing uh, for my brothers. Um, but yeah. You were a big Niner fan growing up, I read. Yeah, I actually, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the sporting green used to be all black and white. It might still be black and white. I haven't opened up a sporting green in a long time. But on Mondays, they would actually like have two color pages, which would have pictures from the game from the day before or Tuesday if it was Monday Night Football. And I would take those pictures, like a lot of them, and put them up on my wall. I wish I had pictures of this because like I had seven years worth of like newspaper clippings up on my up on my wall it was it was pretty cool I, I mean a huge Niners fan they used to play like the police department in basketball games so like I went and watched like Merton Hanks play and like uh, a bunch of the JJ Stokes like a bunch of the OG Niners uh, so I've been a Niners fan my whole life I've been a Giants fan my whole life uh Warriors actually I was not a fan they were so bad when I was a kid and I really actually kind of attached myself to people that I really enjoyed watching as solo people. I, I think that's what's great about the NBA. So Jordan was my guy and then, and then Shaquille O'Neal and then uh, 
um, Kevin Durant since then. So wherever those guys go, it's kind of like where I've attached my basketball allegiance. But Niners and Giants all the way. Yeah, we had Keena Turner on the show. Oh, yeah. Keena's uh, friends with my my friend Samantha, who actually works for the Giants now. Ronnie, have you uh when did you start gaming? Have you have you always been a big gamer as a kid? Or when did when did that come into the picture? Yeah, I mean I've I've gamed pretty much since I can remember. Um I used to play NBA Jam and even before that, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird on NES, uh, but NBA Jam on SNES, and that was really my probably the start of my definitely my basketball video game fandom, but pretty much my sports video game fandom. And I played I I bet you I could play competitively on Nintendo 64. Like that was my system. Obviously wore that out in high school and college. Um, but I mean, if if it was to lead to my career if, of the two things, gaming versus sports, sports was what actually got me to, to, you know, what I'm doing now. I was always just the biggest sports fan. I remember actually, uh, you guys might remember this too. I would take the 24 bus. The 24 to visit Daryl. To... Yeah, it would drop off somewhere on market. I forget the where we change over, and then I take the, st- uh, the the bus, the second bus, from there to Candlestick to watch Giants games. I would do that um, with this guy that like was a he's I think he's been a season ticket holder for thirty five years. He he befriended my parents, and he would take me to games because they were so busy working. Um, I, I'd go to like 35, 40 Giants games a year. By the way, if the dog barks, there's a lot going on in my house. That's what's, no worries. That's what that noise is. <laughs> all, all good. All good. Sorry. No, it's safe. People from my stream are like used to any of my content has her in it. Hey, put it out. You need that bacon bag right there. Yeah. No, there's just people in, around my house and she's just not used to it. Did you play? So, no, I'm sorry. Oh. I was going to say, other than Jordan, or actually Jordan wasn't on there, so it would have been like Pippen and Horace Grant. Who was your tournament NBA uh, jam duo? Like, who was your go-to? Oh, that's that's a great question. I actually played with Scott Siles and Nick Anderson. I played, for some reason, I played with the Magic. I love their jerseys, but like uh, me and my my best friend Trey, who I grew up with there in the Bay, Bay Area, he, uh, we would play NBA jam. I remember there was one night, we played it like 42 times up until four in the morning. And like, uh, we were trying to shut out a team. So the closest we got was 226 <laughs> to, to four. We got to 226 to four. That was, that was the best game we had that night. But I, I always loved that game because the baseline three was such a weird depth. Like it was almost like it didn't match up, you know, like the, you couldn't tell if they were shooting or dunking from baseline three, such a weird yeah. dynamic that game was so much fun ahead of its time for sure oh unbelievable yeah i i didn't really play more basketball games video games until i started playing like live in the early 2000s and then quickly transitioned to 2k5 well i guess the first 2k i played was 2k3 um, but i was top 10 leaderboards in, in 2k5 a couple of years before i started in 2k when did you like when did you when did it come to mind like hey this is something that i want to do and, and make money against it you know when when did that light bulb go off in your head well i think it first started with like look i um i didn't know what i wanted to do i bu- bunch I, I jumped around in my career a lot starting from the end of high school to to even several years after college you know i, I went to school for computer science which i thought was like web design and 
rude awakening on that one. That was it was not. Um, and I bounced around a lot. I ended up graduating with a, a degree in economics, management science, actually. But then I went to law school for 10 fabled weeks, hated that so much. So I was like, you know what, I'll try to work for a law firm and see if I like it. At the same time, I went to work for a, a women's basketball team. Th th these were both in San Diego. Is this UC um, San Diego? I went to UC San Diego and then right after I uh, um, stayed there because I was dating a girl at the time. And I went, but I went to New York for 10 weeks to go to law school at Columbia. And then I quit and I, well, I didn't quit at the time, but I took a postponement. And you phased and out. I, fa <laughs> I phased out and went back to San Diego, went to work for a law firm and then also went to work for this women's basketball league, which is funny because uh, Becky Hammond, who's in the news the last couple of days, was, was part of that league which is kind of ironic. What was it about working in law and doing that grind that pushed you away? You know, is it your, your want to the be- The thing is, it's not, yeah, most people jump to like, oh, law must be really difficult because of the hours. I didn't mind the hours. I do more than those hours a lot. Even, you know, the 80 hour weeks, like I do that all the time. It was, it was I don't think, I think I would have made a great partner because I would have got to litigate and really been in front of things. I think all the research stuff and like all the, the nuance, it like just didn't have any soul or passion in it. And ultimately my heart was always with sports. So unless I was like, I, I, I wanted to go to law school to be a sports agent. Um, I wanted to be Jerry Maguire and uh, thank God I didn't do that. Cause that's a, that's a tough career. I, I, I obviously, deal with sports agents all the time now. And Finally, I can make some Jerry Maguire references. Mike always gets mad at me because we have sometimes younger people on the we, show. We had Aaron Gordon on the show. We had Aaron Gordon on the show and he asked a question about Jerry Maguire and Aaron Gordon was like, no idea what he was talking about. No idea who that yeah. is. Ronnie, that's not our job for them to get educated on Jerry true. Maguire because that they have job. to watch Jerry Maguire. They're doing themselves a disservice, not me. Great, great piece of film. Amazing. Same on you, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. So as you were saying, you were, you were just talking about wanting to do the passion thing. You mentioned that you were coaching. How did you get into that? And, and did you find your passion for sports and, and being involved in, in I wasn't coaching, actually. I was running uh, entertainment operations for this women's basketball league. And then, and then I went to work for a minor league baseball team that had Bay Area legend Jose Canseco on the team. Wow. Um, Ricky Henderson the year before, San Diego Surf Dogs. I actually knew Jose as a kid, and I was kind of orchestrated the signing of that of that thing. I don't know if you guys have heard of this story, so you can stop me. If no, you run it. No. So we signed Jose to get publicity. Obviously, you guys know minor league sports. You got to pull out all the stops. We used to have game day promotions where we'd, we'd have a dental sponsorship, and like we'd clean the bases with a gigantic toothbrush. I mean, it was, it was more about what was happening off the field than what was happening on. But Jose, we signed him, and uh, then he found out that we had a team in Long Beach, um, and he wanted to get traded there, like, immediately after playing one game with us, he wanted to get traded. And that kind of, like, stuck to me a little bit. I was like, uh, you know, I worked so hard to, like, orchestrate and help make that happen. Another person from that league, by the way, is the president of the Oakland A's, was the GM of that league, Dave Cavill, which is it's just funny how all of this stuff kind of comes full circle with the Bay Area. But... Uh, fast forward, um, 
he was coming back to face our San Diego team and we put little stickers of his face um, on juice boxes because this was right in the heart of the, the whole juiced book thing where he was outing everybody for steroids. And that got picked up by ESPN. It got picked up. It was like everywhere for a couple of weeks. And that was like kind of my first breakthrough, like grassroots marketing kind of campaign that, you know, got a lot of legs and I think was kind of social media before social media was social media. Dude, was the toothbrush thing your idea? I, I love that, dude. That's like, uh, the, that's a, that's the, a genius part. Yeah, using it to scrub oh, the bases. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, it was that's... like uh, just our team, like thinking, okay, how, how do we kind of get together and, uh, you know, make some make some publicity. We didn't think it was going to be that big, but it ended up being like pretty crazy if people were talking about it. Good timing, though. You know, like opportunity meets, you know, kind of creativity, if you say. So obviously you have, you know, a lot of skill for marketing in all kinds of different areas. Were you like that as a kid, like marketing stuff? Were you were you like a pitch, you know, like as a kid pitching stuff or 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 did that kind of come just later on? I was pretty introverted, honestly. I, you know, what's I always tell this story. It's really weird. Like, I was really introverted as a kid. I, I mean, I played bad. I played sports and whatever, so that made me a little bit more out there. But like, I didn't party. I didn't really do anything. I would come home, play video games, come play sports. Like, I was a really good kid. Right after, like, I was kind of burnt out during college. So there was this one winter. I don't remember what year it was. I think it was third year, junior year, where like I came back for summer and I worked at Hollywood Video, which again dating ourselves <laughs> like people are like what the hell's a hollywood video i remember the song yeah uh, yeah, yeah exactly but what was great about that experience was that working in retail i i really recommend for anyone because you really talk to the consumer you really get to like have to be a little bit extroverted almost to like help people and so i think that that experience was really like kind of groundbreaking and interesting for me, which sounds so crazy because it's just some random retail job. Um, but it allowed me to like start being like, oh, look, I really enjoy selling and like selling an idea or selling a, a, a movie on people, something I knew a lot about. I watched so many movies as a kid. I think that's really important. All that other stuff like with finding out whether you can make money and all that. Start with your passion, I would say, first. And then the, the like what that niche is will create itself. And then you can monetize that later on. I, you know, I, I always tell that same story about you got to like be happy about what you're doing before you can worry about making money because it's really hard to not not impossible, but really hard to if you're not passionate about it. The you're kind of, you know, in the video store, probably a common scenario is you got to sell well when the when the hot video is out, right? Everyone comes in to rent Terminator 2. Yeah. They're excited. There's wow. no there's no boxes behind the myself. Yeah. <laughs> you got no boxes behind the screen. They know it, we know it, and then you got to be like, "Look, you know, um this other flick uh, is out right now and this is off the charts and <laughs> and kind of sell like that it, it's a real thing because we all i remember going to the video store and you knew the best movie was going to be out yeah. and you're you're hoping like hey maybe someone will return in the next 20 minutes not going to happen and you got to kind of so that's kind of cool that you you know started on that scale, just kind of Understand, like developing, yeah. understanding your, yeah, marketing and stuff like that. Well, I mean, the video game business should be like that too, right? Like there was a day where like pre-ordering 
video games like was important because there weren't that many made so like if you didn't buy it on day one just like if you didn't buy a movie or an album on day one it was gone now obviously with digital distribution like that's not a thing but i think it even kind of trained me to like really create that sense of urgency which really impacted like the movie business and the video game business when i first started in the video game business were very very similar you know we were all about the game comes out back then it was in october we just pushed that day pushed that day pushed that day all your marketing you know went towards highlighting that day all your commercials went to highlighting that day now our business changed drastically and all the entire video game industry has changed because now it's you know about expansion packs and all the cool content drops uh of course that 2k and others do it's just changing that business model and i think what prepared me even early in my education was learning that i would have to continue to educate myself even when like you know you could be a leading figure in, a, in an industry like social media or whatever you know you have to continue to innovate and think about the business so what were some of the ways that you went about educating yourself uh well so, i mean at first social was tough because like when i first started at 2k twitter was a year old facebook you needed a high school or college id there was no instagram no snapchat no TikTok. you know like so it was continually being like you gotta try these products and continue to talk to people about it and see what works test and learn all of that stuff that's just something that's been very like continuous in my career it was like you got to put it in front of the fans and let them tell you about it you know my first job at 2k was to be community manager run our forums get feedback from our fans i think that's another great thing to be in in business on at first because you learn a lot about your consumer and your product is based on your consumer. So like, I, I thought that that is a great training for people. And I, I'm so like happy that that's how it started with me because I, I got to learn and kind of think about how you could pivot off of what your consumer was asking for, which 2K does such an exceptional job. All of our, our entire team really pivots off of what our fan tells us and, and builds, you know, the business accordingly. Yeah, it's, that the community input is so huge. I do some political stuff through like the the fire union that I'm involved in, and a new phenomenon in political stuff is the text, right? You see them all the time, like vote for this person or do this, mm -hmm. and usually you think like, all right, there's just someone sitting on a desk. But I always found it very valuable to look into those and directly engage because when you come back to the marketing table, you you have almost like a working survey in your brain. And you know, like, all right, I can tell you, you know, 70% of the people that I've been engaging with don't like what we're talking about right here, or they have an issue. So the value of that is, is unreal. Do you still keep in touch with that a lot? With Oh, yeah. I mean, I think my entire social media is built off of engaging with the consumer. There's a, a lot of expectation with our consumer because it's been built on years of like innovation and success. You know, our game, uh, has really just grown so like metamorph metamorphically if that's a word it is now <laughs> and uh a lot of it is based on you know fan feedback but uh, with that comes great expectations right so like we continually i'm always engaging with the fans on a variety of social media 
the thing is, I never really thought that like the handles themselves, like my following would be so large. It's huge. Where like I'm so outnumbered. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do the best that I can. Luckily, I work on a great product with a, a bunch of really smart people that make it a lot easier. That's for sure. You, you know, you mentioned that you were extroverted as, when you were younger. Intro. intro. Oh, excuse intro. me, intro. You know, going from being a very introverted person to being on social media, I feel like is like a zero to a hundred, you know, you're, you're, you're having conversations, you're mm -hmm. seeing what everyone's saying all the time. Is that, can that be stressful at times? And, and how do you find ways to kind of separate yourself from social media and everything that's happening on that aspect? You know, we had Bob Myers on and, and he did, he mentioned that yeah. he doesn't even have social media. Yeah. The honest truth is I wouldn't have the social media if it wasn't so critical to my job. I really would. I, you know, I don't know why a normal person really does because there's a lot of benefit to social media, but there's a, the, it's very hard to disengage and like do what you have to do. So I totally understand where Bob's coming from. For me, you know, like my life is so intertwined with that, that like it's, it's maybe I've just kind of gotten used to it, but it was definitely a challenge at first. Like a lot of people, I think, see on social media like somebody that's really loud and out there but like when you meet me in person it's it's very friendly and like boisterous and like and then that's surprising to fans who engage with me on social media at the end of the day like i'm you know gonna be myself and on social i'm telling a story about uh what my role is at 2k alongside my you know daily life and i try to humanize it as much as possible like my my dog's very involved in my social like there's a there's a lot of uh different things but you also have to be careful with that too like i've never posted about my family really on social i've never really posted about any girls i've dated you know I, it's just one of those things where like you have to definitely be authentic but you also like have to be very like selective about what you're thinking about which uh and, and still be you know very genuine and uh, like i you know i try to walk that line the best i can um and i you know thankfully 2k gives me a lot of latitude to to do uh that because i think that's that's really rare Dom, i was gonna ask so so you started off in the community you know side of things how did you start working your way and becoming more integrated with the the game of nba 2k including you know everything from player ratings to design, et cetera? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Well, I think that there became an opportunity with the growth of social media. You know, the NBA has done a tremendous job of really, you know, kind of deciding to, instead of focusing on Lakers and Warriors and like all these franchises, they've really started thinking about the, the stories behind their players. You know more about Steph Curry and LeBron James than you ever knew about Michael Jordan until the last dance and the, the players of yesteryear. I think that really changed around the time that I joined 2K. So like that grew at the same time, social media exploded at the same time, the NBA in general exploded at the same time, gaming exploded at the same time. So like all of those things were created this perfect storm that like allowed for, you know, this catapult thing that, that exists. I also think that 2K and and uh, myself in part were very like forward thinking in terms of 
influencer marketing and knowing that like people were going to be swayed by personalities as opposed to whatever a brand was telling you. Uh, and that was, I think, really smart because that's what the NBA was doing. You know, like you believe, you know, what the storytelling behind a Steph Curry because of he, he's letting you in in so many ways that other people don't. I, I just think that's something that people connect with that feels more authentic. And, you know, that's I was kind of a, a circumstance of that. Um, but then, you know, you have to work hard. You have to have opportunities. You have to make your opportunities. And the business is I, I mentioned the business has changed so much. We used to be so much like the movie business, but like then it became about, you know, sustain and like all the things that we have after the game launches and it being like really 365. Well, the NBA has become still 365 too. Like think about when you rest in the NBA now, like there might be a couple week doldrum non-COVID like right about now after free agency, but not, I mean, even then, not really, you know, like it, the NBA has done a great job of that. And we've had to kind of follow suit, which is, really transitioned my role and created a lot more opportunities to, to grow and be a, a player. It's just like working for any other brand, you know, you, you have to evolve with the business or the business will leave you behind. You know, you mentioned making opportunities and, and, and doing things that kind of are coming from a self-made place of mind. Can you look back at any moments, you know, in your, in your years coming up through 2k where, like you went out and, and, and maybe pitched something or, or uh, had a discussion with someone that gave you that aha moment, you know, where people saw you as something different? Um, there are probably a few, you know, like when we first started focusing on content, I remember two, NBA 2K11 when we put Michael Jordan on the cover and all of a sudden we had become this kind of cultural icon. We had celebrities and NBA players organically showing up at our launch events and our need to tell that story, you know, storytelling around this, this culture shift that was like, you know, 2k put a microphone in my hand and was like, okay, you seem like the person to go get content, <laughs> you know, go talk to these guys, talk about that story. There were so many moments like that over the course of time, you know, but again, it came from a great support structure and 2k's belief that this was an innovative way to market. Um, and every year there was there was a transition of how uh, we want to wanted to market and you know leverage influencer marketing and social media and I, you know I was I was definitely a part of that. Hey, Ronnie, like you mentioned, keeping up with the business, and obviously from a from someone who's big on marketing, you know we know from the games we played when we were a kid how much games have evolved and it seems as as they evolve and they open up more opportunities to engage the user i mean you you know you have games now where you can create yourself as this college recruit you know you're you're going through getting tweets of like hey you know you changed man you're in the league now to getting a deal and people play out these fantasies and and then there's some people that just play the game to just play with the players but you know, do you, are you in pretty close like step with the, the game developers so that as trends kind of, as you're looking at next year's game or the years after you're saying, wow, this aspect of the game, now I can go chase down X, Y, and Z because this is going to open a whole new world on how our users play. Yeah, you mentioned the social media feature. Uh, I was involved in, in that feature and like identifying the NBA conversation people and getting like, 
getting in contact with them and getting them involved. You know, the transition that's happened from like the way the game used to be played, where, you know, I played the Celtics, you played the Lakers, uh, to then in 2K10, you know, my third year at 2K, we had created this mode called My Career, where you play as yourself. And then the innovation that happened every single year to upgrade that experience, you know, and 2K15, you could take your mobile phone and put your face in the game, right? It was not only, you weren't even just creating a My Player now, you were creating yourself. And, yeah. then, and then all the like open world stuff where you could go pick out your clothes and press conferences, press conferences. It was the whole storyline of a, and getting endorsements. It was this whole storyline of, of a basketball player because we wanted to immerse and really create some mind share that you were totally investing yourself into the game, literally because you were playing as yourself. And that, that shift was, was critical. And those moments about making that authentic, you know, being in the cultural space, of the of basketball you know i was able to help uh you know guide that from a kind of cultural perspective make intros all that stuff because um you know we were we were getting more connected to culture and i was kind of um helping uh guide some of that stuff so that those kind of worked hand in hand and that's why the game is like just such a such a phenomenon um and means so much culturally but I also say this in interviews all the time. I really feel like we're just scratching the surface because like basketball, because it's a five person sport and you really care and those five people affect what's on the floor so much and you really care about their stories off the court that we're just scratching the surface. I mean, forget technology. Technology is going to create a ton of opportunities as well. But I still think we have so many ways that we can um, grow the game uh, on a cultural level. In the last couple of years, we've, you know, leaned into music, we've leaned into fashion, we've leaned into art. You saw the great covers uh, that we released for 2K22 that's uh, done by the the guy that was critical to the BLM movement with Time Magazine last year, Charlie Palmer. Like, these are all like moments where 2K is having a stand about what's happening in the real world. That was all key and it's hand in hand. It's dynamic working with a development team like we're thinking about this stuff daily, not yearly anymore, you know? And it's amazing. Like I, it, it's so incredible that a lot of people that are at 2K ha, have been there since I began and they're, they work so hard, they care so much. And somehow we find a way to take it to a whole nother level year after year. Uh, you know, that's not easy to do. You would think, you know, being the leader, just like continue to innovate, but no game, no game that comes out every year innovates as much as 2K does. Do, do you guys get a lot of feedback from the players as far as wish list stuff, whether it's like, you know, hey, you guys should do this in 2K this so year. Much or, feed, too or, much feedback. Or, or I, wish, I wish the league would let us do this, but like I want to play out something that I even can't do in the league in NBA, you know, whether it's yeah, just a... For sure. Some of it, obviously, like we can't because it's, you know, we're still a basketball game and we're still, <laughs> we still work with the NBA. Yeah. I'm sure you can use your imagination and think about things. That <laughs> Just play Grand Theft Auto and you can live that yeah. out. Hey, yeah. I want to be able to drive out of the stadium and then, yeah. 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 It, can't, it can't, it can't be that. Not to mention, 
that the game started on basketball it needs to always be basketball first but i you know i will say that the community is very involved and innovate you know helps us stay passionate and to continue to pursue you know the best of class a lot of times the the feedback that we get is, is things that we had to like pivot from for a variety of reasons to continue to go down this vision, this multi-year vision where they just want it back. It's very rare that somebody will be like, oh, you guys haven't thought about this and you should do this. It's more like, oh, you had this in this game like eight years ago, you know, bring, bring this back. We really want to innovate and like give you a, a brand new, bigger experience every year. So that's what we're focused on. So every year, I think the reason that our marketing works is because we usually release a, a few things that people are like, whoa, where the hell did that come from? You know, and I, I think that things like the city, the neighborhood blew people away. I think scanning blew people away. I think the park itself, like where you can play uh, as yourself with, you know, a hundred other people uh, and see NBA players or musicians like in the world. Uh, in your same park and get to play them. Like, I think that that really blew people away. Um, and yeah, I, I imagine that we're just going to continue to surprise people every single year with the innovation because we have a multi-year kind of strategy and vision about what we're trying to do. You know, you brought up the cover. It's my favorite cover you guys have ever done. And I think it's so unique. I really like the inclusion of a WNBA player and the legends. Yep. You know what, what goes into kind of choosing who's on the cover is it based on like how good a player had that or how good a year that player had or is it kind of just more of like a, a company-wide decision that's made it's a little bit of everything uh, ultimately like i'd say that the first thing is that they have to want to work with us like our game have played our game that's usually the case with all the nba players that's usually not a concern but like guys that really play it are, are it's important because it helps us market it down the road because then they can be involved in competitive stuff and whatnot but then the other thing is like really where you know we we kind of set the campaign for what we're trying to do months in advance and what who's the person that's going to help us guide and push that and usually we go for somebody that's like on the rise as opposed to the the decline. We want to set the tone. There were there was a stretch. I don't remember the exact years, but I believe it was like 2K9 to 2K like 16, where every cover athlete that we had won a championship in like the following like 18 months, but had never won one before. It was like it's like something crazy like that. There's one with the Madden and, uh, game too, where if you're on the cover, you get injured. That's yeah. It's, I guess it's a the reverse curse, but there was also a stretch and a pretty long one where whoever was on our cover was getting traded and like usually on the cover, which was fun for us <laughs> from a production standpoint. But, you know, like we, we want to kind of be the, the tone setter on who's going to be the next standard bearer of the league. And that's why I think this year, especially Luca, like, I mean, he, he's obviously doing incredible things, done incredible things but I, I, he's just scratching the surface himself. Like he, he is definitely the future of the league and to get to work with him. I've, I've actually talked to him for years. He's always asking for VC and stuff. Like he plays the game a lot. So it's going to be fun to work with him and 
it has been already like he, he came and did mocap i'm sure you guys saw the movie the, the video a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago very involved in the development process one one thing that that you know is fascinating is this obsession in the ratings obviously you know that's that's like this huge you know, are you really getting calls from agents or something being like, dude, no, forget agents. I'm getting calls from, from, from players. players themselves, just being like, bro, oh, yeah. you know, a 94 in dunks. Like I should easily be a 98. There's no way he has better dunks than me. Have you seen me? Like, is it, is it to that level? To say the least. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten a lot more <laughs> aggressive sometimes, which is so funny because it's a dynamic thing that they really are under control of more than I'm under control of. Yeah. But, but I will say I love the conversation and usually it's actually about, it's not even about the number I've found. It's really about where that number stacks up against the people they think they're better than. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I remember a couple of years ago we had, the, the second year guys, the Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, who was the third year? Was it Ben? The, those were like the, the best second year players in that class. Mm-hmm. And we put them all at 87 and they were all so mad for different reasons. <laughs> and so, you know, like, I think it's great. I think it's created this conversation. We're part of that off season ecosystem where everybody's mad about their ratings and nobody's ever complained that their ratings too high, which would that'd be a nice, nice change. But I, I just, I think for that to matter so much, I mean, some of these guys like worry about their ratings more than they worry about all NBA or, which is, which is just amazing, <laughs> you know, for a video game to be that on their forefront, the forefront of their mind that it's constantly consuming them. Ron, Ronnie, where do you see AI going? Because a lot of people, oftentimes there's technologies that bleed over outside of of video games but they forget that video games house you know some of the foundations of like you know the concept of like how does draymond act when he uh gets in foul trouble or the you know what i mean and having that you know where do you see video games playing a role do you see it being kind of like staying there's a lot of intangible ratings that have to do uh, i hope i'm answering your question appropriately but it's a lot of intangible ratings that have to do with like what's happening, like not so much about their shooting ratings, but like you just mentioned the Draymond example, like we, we definitely have a point of view in, in the, the mental parts of the game. If you're asking me about technology, you know, like I, I mentioned, we're scratching the surface. There's going to be interesting when we get to VR and AR and all this other stuff. I think it's still early days for that, but like basketball so athletic and kind of, beautiful in that way that like I think I think that, that there is some cool stuff that will will come about when we when we get there but we're just going to continue to like try to lead the way and all all of that technology things you know test and learn take take risks where we can and have fun with this you know amazing franchise you just mentioned the VR thing have you seen the movie ready player one do you, do you see some, I mean, obviously that's very advanced, but do you see something like that happening in the future? You know what Demolition Man is? Oh yeah. I bet you, uh, I bet you Don does. Oh yeah. Demolition Man is ahead of its time because that's where we're headed into two worlds. One of them is the above ground, which I'm not going to get into politics like that, but I mean, the, the Demolition Man, we talked about that early, even before Elon mentioned it, but it was, you're looking at it and you're like, oh, okay. You know, and it's so funny how pop culture, you know, the whole art imitates life, life imitate, yep. it imitates art, but these ideas come from somewhere, right? Like no one supposedly has ever seen an alien yet. 
the visual in the movies of aliens are all pretty similar. It's like a big head with the eye, right? Like, and so it's interesting. I could tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just saw the. He, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt the question, but no. that's what I always think of when I first think of that, like takeover simulation so sorry continue. no no uh, I, I was just gonna say like you know is that do you see that happening anytime soon and, and kind of what are your thoughts on vr i don't think the technology personally and i'm just speaking completely personally here i'm not speaking for the company on this one i i don't think the technology is there yet but i i know that there are tremendous efforts to get there at some point so i i would assume that eventually it will but uh, i mean it's just the technology is not that great yet but definitely built definitely built for sports so when that time comes i think it'll be pretty exciting you know as we look to the future you know before we get into this lightning round with you we do a lightning round with with all of our guests where we ask base specific yeah. questions but my, my last question for you is you know what's on the horizon for 2k and and you know is there any uh, secret input maybe you can give us some breakthrough information so that we can blow this episode up coming down the pipeline <laughs> <laughs> well nba 2k22 obviously comes out september 10th we announced the cover athletes it's i think it's going to make the our fans extremely happy we announced some features past tuesday that the the fans were pretty excited about you know like matchmaking in, in the neighborhood and the, the kind of the offensive defensive metagame like being a little bit more balanced People were really excited about that. I think it's going to be a, a really fun year. And I'm just like, like I said, so excited to represent this company that has so many talented people working on one of the most exciting franchises in the gaming space. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's all, my mind's all on 22 right now. Obviously, we've, you know, we're always thinking about future 2Ks and where things can go, but. Yeah, we're just what six, seven weeks away from 22's launch. So can't wait to can't really wait to play it. I'll be buying it in the uh, PS5 store. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a I don't own own awesome. any disc, but I'll definitely be buying it when it comes out. So, yeah, we got this lightning round. Let me grab this belt. Okay. Yep. Yeah, uh, some great stuff. You know what's so funny is you must have hit on. Um, and I'll wait, Mike, he must have hit on at least like five to 10 questions from the former lightning rounds. I mean, I feel like we've had questions on Jerry Maguire. We had questions on Ricky Henderson and Dave Henderson. Oh, he, he mentioned another player who was in the E-40 song, Mar Merton Hanks. Did you mention Merton Hanks? Yeah, Martin he mentioned Merton Hanks. Hanks. I mean, if you, I mean, yeah, you, you've probably hit who's on your guys like- favorite, Who's your favorite uh, Bay Area athlete? Juan Toscano Anderson. It's my guy. He's like one of my best friends, so I'm gonna say him. But yeah. my other favorite Bay Area athlete, probably of all time, I'm gonna go with Stephen Clay, man. Okay. Yeah, that that's that's up there for sure. I mean, growing up, for me, I was a huge A's fan. So like the Bash Brothers were huge, yeah. right? Ricky Henderson was huge. Yeah. That's that's tough. I mean, Montana and and the Niners. How do you even skip that? Yeah. There's been my, so my many... number one guy was Jerry Rice. Yeah, Jerry Rice. Is... Oh, yeah, Jerry Rice. Have dude. you tried his goat fuel? Just... No, I haven't. You know what's funny? He follows me on Twitter, and I hit him up one time, and he didn't respond. I was, I was fun. Because usually people... Happens to me all the time. Somebody to respond. <laughs> I'm sure I'll run into him one day. Yeah. But... So, yeah, we, we do this lightning round where we ask questions. Who's the last winner, Dom? Do you know? 
The last winner was Chuck's Flavor Train one, I think, yeah. right? Because he was right. Yeah, he's the current belt oh, holder. What a guy to follow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great, man. We had him on the show. It was a good episode. He's got so much energy and good vibes. So shout out to Chuck. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna, how, do I, how do I win? So I'm going to tweak some things around because there's been so much content here. And I'm going to go dynamic on this. We make it incredibly hard. And the way you win is we have four questions. You know, you start, we have the easy round, right? Which we'll call like, you know. What is this, Bay Area trivia? Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah, Bay Area trivia. And so we'll have four rounds. We start easy. And then the fourth round is the belt. It gets incredibly hard. So don't be hard on yourself. This is designed to lose. All right. We're trying to keep this very tough. Got it. But But we'll start with an easy one. Okay. So this one's going to be real easy just to, to get us out of the gate. You mentioned Jose Canseco. Who's the other half of the Bash Brothers? Mark from the Bro, Mark McGuire. Okay. Dude, it's that round one. Don't worry. Question. The other the other questions are so hard. I'm not worried. <laughs> round one is like you're roller skating. That wasn't I mean, that's not like that easy. That yeah, it's dude. There, there, there's tons of people. So we're going to get a lot tougher, okay? This is a question we've asked in the past. You are in the Marin area. So there was a very famous hip-hop artist, actor, tremendous personality that went to Mount Tamalpais for some time and lived in Marin City. Tupac? Tupac, boom. Okay, so that was a little hidden one. Not many people know that Tupac did some some time in the Bay. Aaron Gordon got the Tupac question wrong from uh, Above the Rim. Above the rim, yeah, yes. Shout out to AG. Yeah. He actually went to Tamaskel for a year, which is right next to Rebel, which is why I knew that. So now we're going to get extremely difficult. And I'm okay. going to take it your home territory of video games. Okay. This is probably the one I'm going to mess up. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, this, is, this is very hard. So there was a football game that came out on Sega Genesis in 93. I'm going to play you the song from the video game. And I need you to tell me roughly the name of it you don't have to get exactly right but more importantly who is on the cover okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna play the song i want you to picture the loading screen on sega genesis i didn't have a sega genesis i skipped from 64 to dreamcast yeah this is tough then if you didn't have a genesis i you know it, it, I need three. So 93, I played the, this hockey game, Malcolm 93, which had Patrick Roy on the cover. So 93. I'll tell you, one of the most notable things about this game, like many of the games, was one of the popular moves is like, if you ran up the sideline and found the defense, you could run all the way back to the goal line, cut across, and you could beat the game by going straight up. I will say a Bay Area, very famous Bay Area football player was on it, and this was a football game. Well, 93 would have been Steve Young. No. Oh, Bo Jackson? No. I mean, it's the only other people that it could be then was Joe or... It was Joe, and you want to guess the game? Joe was on a cover? Yes. Wow. He's got the phone under there. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Joe was on NFL Sports Talk Football. I would have never got that. It's it's very tough. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the next question is so difficult. Okay. That I'm gonna give you a, a special Bay Area treat because you so encompass all these Bay Area stuff that if you get this right, 
we will have a conference. And if you make a custom NBA player for the next one coming out for me and Mike, we will give you the belt. I'm just kidding. We'll give you the belt anyways, if you get this right. Um, Cause we can just create our own player, obviously. Um, so there's an alumni from Redwood high. Yeah. And she's an actress and she was on a TV show. She had, she was on a TV show called Beverly Hills 90210. And she had a romantic relationship with Brandon Walsh. I need you oh, to tell yeah. me. Yeah, this is. Well, what, this when he is, asked me. I mean, Beverly Hills 90210. Wow. We were, I mean, because what year you were. No, that, yeah, that's not. We were, it was Wednesday nights. Before, before my time. Yeah, eight o'clock, eight p.m. Channel two. You know, if you were probably playing game, you, know, you were on the game front. I was I checking. Been, I might have been like a shade young for that one. Yeah, this one's really tough. Her name was Andrea Zuckerman, and she's an alumni from Redwood High School. Her name's Gabrielle Carteris. Very random. I mean, what, she. What year? What year was a weird ass question, dude? What year was she in nine nine o two and o? No, what year I, was did she graduate Redwood? Oh, and I have to go back to my uh, my deep notes on the alum. It was like 1985. That's that's, that's yeah, funny. I know. But I figured there's not so many alum that like maybe it might have been a talk of the town well, so or something. You know the famous Redwood alum that I know, Robin Williams. Oh, that's right. He did go. Wow. Pete, uh, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Ew. Yeah, Pete Carroll. Right, yep. Dude. Gavin Newsom. Damn, Gavin. They want to put me on the wall of fame next next year. Are you gonna do it? So there's there's some hard hitters there for you sure. You gonna do the wall of fame? Yeah, no, some some big names have gone to Red Yeah. Yeah. I did not know Andreas Zuckerman. Yeah, it's I, I was kind of you know, like I have to work them around and see where it's going. That that one, if you if I'm gonna give you to four after three. Somebody got those last two, both of them? No, no, no one's got we we customize yeah. the questions for oh, each each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So We'll we'll definitely have you back and and think of some questions and stuff like that and and the lightning round is always tough. I would have loved to win. Juan Toscano just lost. I forget which one he lost on last episode, Mike. Which question? I forget which one he did too. But oh uh, no, yeah. it was a question about Oakland. I forget what it was. Oh yeah, it was. We asked about which rap group had famous lyric in the song "Player Haters" about stealing a credit card from Chris Webber. And the answer, it was a rap duo. The answer was the loonies in the song play, you know, the why you want to play or hate on me. I wouldn't have got that either. So. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Hey, we, we, we go, it's, it's, it's tough. Let's go, go deep. Yeah. But the, the belt's special though, you know, thank you, Ronnie. We, yeah. we really appreciate you. you coming on the show. No problem. This no problem. is some, you know, grassroots stuff. So we know you're such a busy guy and you know, we really appreciate you coming on. We're a big fan of the All game. Good. And, Anytime J dot asks, I'm happy to help. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely be huge promoters of NBA 2K, the next edition when it comes out and beyond. And obviously anything you're doing, we'll be paying close attention and, and very interested in that. So awesome. Thanks, right, guys. Man. Thanks, Ronnie. A big thanks to our boy James Dodd at 2K for helping us set this fire episode up with the legendary Ronnie 2K. If you want to see more of Ronnie and what he does, check him out on Instagram and Twitter at Ronnie2K. If you want to watch this episode on video, head over to YouTube and search Bridge to Bridge Podcast. You can also add us on Instagram at Bridge to Bridge Podcast and on Twitter at B2BSF. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.